This is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge number two, and I'm here speaking on the level with Lee Bradley. Lee, why don't we start out by introduce yourself and give me your full name, the name of your home blue lodge, and any offices or titles you have connected to that lodge. Okay, I am Lee Bradley. Uh, my home lodge is Barrington Lodge 522 in Barrington, Illinois. I am a dual member with Illumination Lodge number five in Bloomington. Bloomingdale, Illinois, uh, where the Scottish Rite also meets. And are you have any offices in those blue lodges? No, I do not. Okay. And today we're talking from the uh, Scottish Rite of Chicago in Bloomington, Bloomingdale. You just maybe do the same thing. <laughs> I went to college in Bloomington for a little while, so I can say that. Uh, in Bloomingdale, Illinois, beautiful building. You've just given me a tour. Uh, and what is your position here? I work in the offices of the Scottish Rite. Uh, I work with the DMLA chapter here, work a little bit with DMLA on the state level, work with the Grand Lodge of Illinois and the Scottish Rite uh, Council of Deliberation. Is that like a court? The, the Council of Deliberation, that is the uh, officers of all of the valleys in the state oh, who okay. meet a couple of times a year to transact important business. Okay. And so one of the things I'd like to start out with is asking you to think back to your beginnings in Masonry. Do you remember when you first heard of this thing called Freemasonry? Well, it started before that. Um, my grandparents on my mother's side, um, Grandpa was a pipe fitter and Grandma stayed at home type thing. And uh, Grandpa would come home, get out of his work clothes, take a bath, get all dressed up, and leave on certain nights. And I'd say to Grandma, where's Grandpa going? Oh, he's going to a meeting. Then the same thing would happen to Grandma. She'd get all dolled up, and I'd say, where's Grandma going? And he'd say, oh, to a meeting. Okay, well, that satisfied a kid <laughs> uh, five or six years of age. And then when I got turned 14 behind the scenes, uh, the neighbors asked my parents, uh, would D. Malay, would Lee want to join D. Malay? And my mother said to the neighbor, what's this all about? And he said, well, it was Masonic. Well, she knew Grandpa, you know, and she knew what he was although she never bothered to tell me. So she went to Grandpa, and she said, uh, do you think Lee could join DMLA? And he said, well, sure, why not? If it's anything like the builders, it'll be very good. So then the neighbor approached me and said, would I like to join? Well, a couple of the other neighbors uh, all saw to it that I got from home to the lodge hall where this meeting took place and what have you. And that was in 1957, we were, uh, the chapter was established in Mount Prospect and a school because it had a large gymnasium. So that's where we were instituted. And then we eventually wound up at Arlington Heights Lodge in downtown Arlington Heights. And we were there for many, many years. And uh, I went through the chairs and became master counselor and did all that good stuff. And then they said, okay, why don't you become chapter dad? And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. But they said, <laughs> you have to be a Mason. Right, right. <laughs> and I said, 
uh, you know, what's that mean? And they said, well, you know, you see all the guys here. Uh, the men are all Masons. Okay, so then, here, fill out this petition, okay, and give us this money. I did that, and they elected me to get my degrees. So, of course, my mother had told Grandpa, and she suggested to me that I tell Grandpa, you know, and that sort of stuff. So, Grandpa came all the way out from Chicago in the 50s to Arlington Heights to see my three degrees. Wow, that's cool. Yes, it was, and it was a good thing for me because he smoked and he coughed, and I knew where he was sitting in the lodge room. <laughs> okay. So through the ceremonies, I knew exactly where I was in the room at all times. Oh, interesting. Yes. Wow. And uh, so that's how I became a Master Mason. So what year were you raised and what lodge were you raised in? I was raised in Arlington Heights Lodge, 1162, and it was like... 1961, 62 in that time. Okay, so you've already reached your 50-year anniversary as a Mason. I've got your 50-year pin. I've done that in Masonry, Scottish Rite, and the Blue Line. And, oh, uh, sure. right. and so you 50. joined them all fairly fairly young. Oh, wow. Yes. wow. Um, and I'm active not so much in the Blue Lodge, but I'm active with the DMLA chapter, the Scottish Rite bodies, and the Shrine. And the shrine, um, Medina, Medina, shrine. Yeah. Medina, right? And they're yeah. about a mile and a half from us, so it's convenient. Okay, yeah, yeah, we're right by Medina. Um, what? So you you came into it because of Dimele. You said your grandparents were in it, right? Um, any other brothers, cousins, anybody else in the family involved? No, no. That was the only one. My father was Catholic. My mother was Missouri Synod Luther. And I turned out Episcopalian <laughs> and a Mason. The question is smorgasbord there. Right. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's, it's been a very enjoyable time. Tell me about, uh, um, some of, can you share some of the memories? You started telling a story a little bit ago about when you traveled. Okay. When, when the Valley of Chicago sold its property downtown Chicago, we were for like six years homeless as far as a spot to put on ceremonies and what have you, and new members to join. So we did Las Vegas, we did Nashville, Tennessee, we did uh, Missouri, or uh, Mississippi, down in Mississippi someplace. And to go down there, we added four cars to a train for sleeping, dining, what have you. They tacked us on the back end of the train, and they were all vintage cars. Oh, cool. So we went down there, and we had wonderful meals on the train, and we managed to, um, shall we say, drain the attitude adjustment part of the train every (laughs) night because uh, we didn't have to drive. We didn't anything, so it was hang out in the club car and... Some guys brought banjos and uh, guitars and all that. What year, what year was this, roughly? Oh, this would have been, well, let's see, six, eight, maybe 10, 12 years ago okay. in that time frame. Early 2000s? Yes. Okay. And uh, it was very interesting because we were all the members of the class and the officers and the Joe members 
were all dressed casually, comfortably, and had a real good time. It wasn't until we, we went to a business meeting that the candidates learned who the members were, who the officers were, and what have you. They had no idea. They had no idea. So uh, a lot of good, strong friendships were developed on the train trip or our other excursions. And that's where we've gotten a whole batch of very active members is from the interaction and uh, no indication of rank or importance. From that trip? From several trips. trips, Several trips from the various trips. So what, um, you guys sold the building, you you showed me some pictures. Tell me a little bit about the old Scottish Rite uh, Cathedral in Chicago. The uh, cathedral was on Dearborn Street in the 900 block of North Dearborn. It had been built prior to the Chicago Fire, uh, did not survive the Chicago Fire intact. The minister rebuilt the structure, uh, but he couldn't get his congregation to return to the property because it was too far from where redevelopment was taking place, too far being nine, ten blocks away. Uh, so he sold it to the shrine, and uh, they moved in there. and. Then Scottish Rite was fortunate to be able to buy the first uh, brownstone, which was a mansion uh, next door to the church, and over time connected the mansion to the cathedral. And we shared the space with the shrine until they built their building on Wabash Avenue. And uh, then we purchased, we had first right of refusal on the 915 building, which was the cathedral. And so we purchased it from the shrine, and uh, we were there for 95 years. 95 and, years, well. And, and I was not there all that time. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> and you guys brought, uh, you showed me a bunch of the pieces that you guys brought from that old uh, cathedral. Tell me about some of the stuff you guys brought with you. Uh, structurally, uh, the developer who bought the property was going to put two high-rises up. So he removed uh, an addition we had put on the back of one of the homes, which was a dining room and the Masonic Lodge Hall. And he said to us, we could have anything out of the space he was going to demolish. And uh, so we took all the wood that we could. We took the lighting fixtures and what have you. So we have we had all of those when the we started talking to architects about uh, building us a building here in Bloomingdale. It was a group of young architects who uh, took what what our board of directors talked about and took some of the woodwork and figured out how to build it into the lodge hall, build it into the uh, attitude adjustment area, uh, into the pool room, you know, all sorts of different areas. Each has a little touch of the old building, uh, which is very much appreciated by the members. Uh, The furniture in the lodge hall has been expanded to uh, more comfortably seat people of today's build than the chairs that were in there in 1905, although they have a very striking resemblance to the ones that were there in 1905. They do. And uh, we have quite a few light fixtures in the building. Tell me about the uh, the chair sitting in the east. Oh, uh, Chicago had many famous mayors, but one of them was Bussey, 
there's a road named after him, quite a long one. It's called Bussey Avenue, and it runs along the northwestern tracks out from Chicago, heading towards Freeport and that sort of thing. And uh, he was mayor many years ago, and when he passed away, the family donated the chair to the Scottish Rite because he had been a very active member here. And now it is the most worshipful chair in the Lodge Hall. That's pretty neat. I took some pictures of that. So uh, tell me about, have uh, um, you been involved in, in charitable kind of events through either Blue Lodge or Scottish Rite? Oh, yes. Uh, charitably, uh, the DMLA chapter uh, happens to raise, oh, five, $6,000 a year for the Shrine Hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, and they donate that money because they're young men, they desire to donate it to the Chicago unit for the use of the patients to buy television sets, uh, Star Wars games, you know, all the latest teenage mechanical devices and stuff. Right. And then uh, the Scottish Rite here has a learning center, Dyslexia Center, in LaGrange, Illinois, which is on the property of the Grand Lodge Children's Home. So we have a walkathon here once a year in conjunction with the Learning Center, and uh, they'll raise several thousand dollars to help our Dyslexia Center become a freestanding independent operation. And uh, tell, tell me a little bit more about you, though. About so you, I've heard you say several times, Demole. You grew up in Demole. You're very involved in Demole. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing in Demole. What's your job, so to speak, or what you, what's your passion that you're really excited about it in Demole? Well, <clears throat> as a Demole, and I mentioned that I became a master mason. Well, when I did that. Then the advisory council immediately said, well, you're going to be the chapter dad. So I did that for 20-some years. Wow, 20, that's a long time. And between the time I joined and the time I retired from that, when I got elected to the elected seats in the Rose Croy line and Scottish Rite, we'd had about 400 young men go through the chapter, um, which is really interesting because today I think I'm still in contact with around 50, 60 of them, you know, have gone through weddings and showers and babies and all this kind of stuff with a whole group of them, and we still get together from time to time, and, you know, now they're married, so we do things that are kid-oriented and family-type right. events for them. And it's, you know, DMLA has been a very firm foundation. I'm a member of that Supreme Council, and I uh, also help run their session each year. One, they have one session a year, right? One, one session internationally. Oh, internationally. Yeah, actually, uh, I don't know if you've met, have you met Chandler Gordon? Oh, yeah. He's from Phoenix. Right. Uh, well, actually, he's from, I think Glendale is his home uh, lodge, but we interviewed Chandler and his dad, Bell. Um, so that's kind of neat. I forgot you would probably know who he is. Yes. Um, so what is it about masonry? You're involved in so many different aspects. What is it about masonry that keeps you, I mean, you spend a lot of time doing it. I mean, why, I mean, why spend all your time doing this? What is, the, what is the draw for you? Well, it's my personal is the idea that I'm helping everybody along the way to accomplish their goal. 
whatever that may be. And they're also helping me because they're teaching me. Whenever you interact with someone, you always learn something. And you impart knowledge. So you kind of share. Each one shares with the other to make, to make the world a better place. And hopefully someday that will come to pass. So I was, people always, when you say something like that, you think about, well, what would it be if we didn't have that? Imagine that. Imagine how bad it could be. It despite could be worse. The, yeah, despite you know, some of the things we see happening in the world, uh, there is still some good in it. Um, do, you, do you have any men who've really made a big impact on you then? When you talk about that sharing of knowledge, can you think of anybody that has really made an impact and been a, a role model for you or, or really made an a impact on your Masonic journey? That interesting question, because that, <clears throat> that particular comment leads me back to 1955-56. There was a gentleman who was the district deputy. Now, he was ancient to me. (laughs) I was 13, 14. Come to find out, he's like 15 years older than I am. But it it seemed like 100 years at that point. (laughs) And we became very close. And I still see him on a weekly basis. Really? He's now 87 years old. And uh, he's living in a retirement community and what have you. But I make it my point to get to see him each week and aggravate him and talk about old times and all the good Keep him up to date. Let him know what's happening. Keep him and let him know what DMLA is doing because he was the district deputy and he had like 12 chapters when I was... uh, when I was an active Malay and so he still knows a lot of the people. You know, Did you say his name? I'm sorry. No, I didn't. You're uh, welcome to or not welcome to. Oh, welcome to you. Charles Hamilton. Charles Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. At the time he lived in uh, Highland Park, and then eventually moved into Chicago, but I've kept in touch with him for a long time. He's, you know, he knows a lot of the past state master counselors as I do, and you know. So we have a lot to talk about because he'll ask what so and so is doing, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a it's a very good touchstone for me. Keep you connected, kind of like what we were talking about. That's one of the things I like about masonry is there's so much history there. It keeps you connected across generations. You know, right? Yeah, in ways that we've kind of lost in a lot of ways in society. Right. Anybody else you can think of you want to mention? Mm-hmm. No, I think. That's really close, although now I am mentoring one or two young people, you know, young. They're 30 years old, 30, 40 years old, and they're gung-ho in the Masonic world. Right. And they're beginning to learn that there's, you know, it's, it's a very complicated but very inspiring thing if you take it slowly. Right. Yeah. A lot of guys in these interviews, we talk about patience. It's something you definitely, it's something I have learned and I'm still learning in Masonry is that patience, that there's there's a process, there's a way to make things happen. <laughs> yes, you probably did not notice, but the Grand Hall here in this building has 32 columns in it. <laughs> I did not even pay attention, no, 32 right. columns. Which is, of course, representative of the three degrees of the Lodge and the 29 degrees of the Scottish Rite. Right. And the columns are decorated appropriately for entry level versus later life. Oh. So. I'll have to look at that on the way out. Yes. 
Any any funny stories you can think of? In your time, there must have been some funny antics or uh, uh, crazy things that have happened. Well, masonry is a little bit more staid, but in DMLA, of course, there's always the practical jokes and things like that. You know, uh, anybody who's been a college frat person, you know, knows about shave cream, knows about different things like that, and the, you know. The kids do have a good time, but then they grumble when they have to clean up the mess. We want to have fun, but we don't have to clean up after it. Right. What What is it uh, that makes Freemasonry important to you? Why is it important to you? Well, I think one by one, we're taking relative, let's look at a pile of stones. Basically, we're picking one stone out of that pile and working with it, which then causes another stone from the pile to come out. And pretty soon there's a whole group of people, young men, older men, what have you, working as a unit to do something better for the community that they're in at the lodge level, for the area they're in if it's Scottish Rite, uh, you know, for the state if it's the Grand Lodge of Illinois. You know, and that's the way I see it. You help individuals, and then pretty soon it's helping more and more people. And masonry just does good for the community, the area. And it's not something that is advertised on bulletin boards, you know, that the lodge did this or what have you. Uh, one of our lodges has a very strong attachment to the uh, police department and the city aid group or what have you and when they find out that somebody needs an ADA ramp to get into their house or they need this done or what have you the lodge will go and figure it all out and then physically do it for the family or do it for the individual you know and they'll get these leads from the town and there's I, I know of one in particular, but I know there are three or four others in the immediate area that do the same thing. I'm sure that happens all over the state. Um, as a sidebar, our Grand Lodge has uh, adopted the idea. They had a, a senior home in Sullivan, Illinois, and it was a big place. At one time, it was jam-packed with older people. Well, now because of all the nursing homes and what have you that are being put up on every street corner, uh, you know, the home was vacant, basically, and costing a lot to maintain. So they sold that to a nursing home facility, and they're taking the money that they would have used to keep that operation going, and they're assisting the brethren to remain in their own homes and get the necessary assistance or repairs done. Right. Which is a big plus for the elderly member and a feel good for the guys that help them out. Yeah, that seems to be the trend is because you can get a lot of that care now in your home anyway. Right. You don't need that big expensive building, so. Right. One of the things we say in masonry is uh, we take good men and make them better. Right. Has masonry made you a better man? I think so. It has taught me to do a lot of things a little bit differently than I used to. And I think that's probably for the better. 
and uh, I think I've helped a few other people do things better, you know, through my experience. So working hand in hand, we help each other become better men in a better way in the community, and hopefully it'll rub off on the world. <laughs> and any other stories you can think of that you want to share? Any closing thoughts or anything like that? Uh, I know that in the course of my, as the kids say, 400 years on the earth, or they will say, well, he was there when Jacques de Molay was burned at the stake <laughs> in 1314. You know, uh, I think, no, it's, uh, I credit Masonry with a world of friends, and not just in my little area here in Illinois or the adjoining states, but, you know, you get to know a lot of people all over. Uh, the Sovereign Grand Commander of the Southern Jurisdiction was a fairly regular attender at our DMLA conclave in Illinois many years back, Ronnie Seal. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he's going, we're doing a Southern uh, Jurisdiction uh, VMAP uh, in a couple of weeks in April, and I want to say he's coming to that. I'm not sure. Oh, Rex Hutchins and Ron Seal oh, are okay. uh, going to be some speakers there, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'll be going to that. I'm kind of excited about that. So That will be a good time. Yeah. Ronnie can really deliver. Ronnie. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard him call him Ronnie before. <laughs> uh, well, that's because I knew him as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, as a DMOI. Oh, wow. Um, but he has a wonderful ability to address an audience and start with one little piece over here and tie the whole thing together. And in the end, the message all becomes clear. Weaves an incredible message through yes. this. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yes. Well, I, I appreciate you, Lee, talking to me today. Thank you very much. Uh, My pleasure. For sharing some of your memories. I'm sure we could go forever, but uh, I don't want to keep you, so thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure.